Drink it in now. Deep left side carry on. Picks up a block. At the five. At the two. At the one to the end zone. Touchdown Detroit Lions. Drink it in now. Get up Stafford throws. It is end zone. Detroit Kool-Aid, Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers. We are back here on a Friday um, talking all things Detroit Lions right here on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. And uh, gosh, you know, it's a Friday. I mean, rumors, innuendo, all types of things have been swirling. We talked about some of it on Wednesday. We also recapped kind of fun, like the last couple of years, we sort of did some deeper dive breakdowns, but this time we kind of pulled up YouTube, wanted to watch the games back, get our eyes on them. So me and Griffka talked about Cardinals, Chargers. Today we're going to talk about Eagles, Chiefs, two really important games there early in the season when our team was healthy and we were rolling and we were playing decent to good football, winning ball games, and then the rest of the season happened. So we'll talk about that today. And we teased it last show, but we're going to talk about Tua. We're going to talk about Stafford trades. I got something I want to throw at Grifka. It's going to be a fun show. Stick with us. I mean, the man of the hour, the, the one and only, the legend, the absolute uh, stalwart of the show, Grifka. How are you on a Friday, buddy? Oh man, this is this is like really exciting. This has been one of the more exciting lines off seasons with all the trade talk. I mean, trade talks heating up. Much like the weather here in Michigan this weekend, it's going to be in the 40s. Can you believe that? 40 on Saturday, 45 on Sunday. All the snow that we got this week earlier is going to be melted away. You're going to be wanting to put on your Bahama shorts and wearing the polos, going out and shooting a quick nine. But no, the snow will be back next weekend. So, anyways, here in Michigan, it's going to be a really nice weekend. Enjoy it. By the way, TGIF. I didn't want to break in on your forecast, but I, I got to bring up something non-football, which we rarely do on the show. Is it just me or did you realize like the day we're recording here? Like when I went home yesterday around 6, 630, whenever I uh, jetted out of the office, it was pitch black. And then today I leave same time, basically. It's light as hell outside. Like what what happened between the two days where literally it felt like it was, you know, four, four o'clock in the afternoon today. Whereas yesterday when I left, it felt like that you get out of work and it feels like it's 10 p.m. outside. So dark and snowy and ridiculous. Like what, what is going on with the state? It's ridiculous. Did I miss yeah, a not... time change or something? Yeah, I know. I know daylight savings happens here like in uh in about three weeks, but, uh, you know, I'm no weatherman. I just, I just report what I see. <laughs> we had some type of daylight something today. Cause the, the absolutely crazy to come out and still see it super bright out. It just was very odd, but I thought, I thought I'd kick that over to the weatherman, see what his thoughts were. And you almost said, I'm not quite for sure, which I was waiting for. I mean, you know, that's one of the people's favorites. <laughs> <laughs> Grifka, let's not mess around. Let's get into this off the top. Uh, I'm going to save my curveball because I know you got some timely topics you want to throw at me, and I got some strong opinions. So let's dive into this. 
Okay, yeah, like this first one, I don't know where this is starting to, you know, gain some legs. I mean, it's starting to come back again. The Matt Stafford trade. I know we talked about this earlier, but then um, people are starting to come back saying, well, no, really, you know, this is going to be his cap hit. This is going to be his cap hit where they're making it look more palatable if the Lions were to trade Matt Stafford away. Um, I know one of the one of the um, ones that's been positive, you know, out there is, uh, you know, Matt Stafford at the Patriots. But um, can you see this happening? I mean, I mean, I hate to bring it up, but, you know, because now there's talk, you know, that's your boy. We can piggyback this question, too, that Mel Kuyper is actually, instead of, you know, having the Lions draft, Jeff Okuda has him taken Tua. So could you see the Lions doing that, trading away Matt Stafford and drafting Tua? Oh, boy. Grifka, before I get into that, you don't want to you want to know what I think about Mel Kuyper and his his draft analysis and his mocks. Uh, you love yeah. his books. You pick them. You pick them up every year. You're growing his hair out to be like him, and you're gonna start wearing blazers with uh, with uh, suede patches on the uh, or leather patches on a suede blazer, so uh, you look like him. <laughs> Not quite. I would like his job, and uh, it's awesome that like he's one of those people that for some reason they never make him leave his home. Yet everybody else is flying all over the country. He has to be in Bristol their whole life. This guy just sits at home and does nothing. But his mock draft and his overall analysis of players is simply this. <laughs> absolute clown show and talking Mel Kuyper now now Grifka back to your actual question I mean I gotta do this for the people I mean you, you, you teed it up I think it's only appropriate is this a real question Grifka Matt Stafford traded is this a real question from you Oh, yeah, of course it is, considering it seems like all of a sudden, like his cap hit went from $30 million down to like $5 million all of a sudden. I don't know who's eating the rest of that, but people are like, no, actually, if they trade him, you know, Matt Stafford's going to have to pay back money. That's where this is at. And it's just, I don't, I don't get where all this is coming from all of a sudden. It's just like, you know, like I always say, numbers, like you can do anything with numbers, it seems like. This has got to be some of the most creative accounting I've ever seen to see his cap hit go from something that would just totally cripple the team for the next four years to like, no, man, we could dish him away for like a gallon of Gatorade and a football and we'd be fine. Oh, well, if you phrase it that way, okay, this is a question. So, uh, well, one of the funniest things I saw was, you know, I think um, Jeff Risden at Lions Wire does a great job. He came out with an article saying like, let, let me break down this this whole Stafford contract a little bit. And then I pull up my Twitter and then Justin Rogers has an article. Hey, let me let me dive into that contract a little bit more. And then, you know, you get the chef. Let me tell you a little bit more about Matt. It's like this domino effect where everybody was like one guy figured out that maybe it wasn't what he thought it was. And then there was 10 other people diving in. But I mean, here, here's the long and short of it. It's still like. Gosh, we, we talk all the time on this show about some Matt Stafford house. We like want to support him. You know, I can't say it enough because it's true. But I, I literally had a, a back and forth with the big Hughes about this topic. And I'm going to sell him out on the show because I was so appalled by what he said um, that I might as well just run, run him over, back him over with a bus right now. Big Hughes told me that if the Lions trade Matt Stafford, he will no longer be a fan of the Detroit Lions. And you know what I said to him, Grifka? I said, that's some waffle maker bullshit right there. Like, that is some Grifka BS right there. Like, you, Matt Stafford is not this golden goose. He's not this uh, – he hasn't brought us championships. So, for you to act like you're going to quit on the Detroit Lions, a team you love since you're a kid – 
because one quarterback who's no spring chicken got dealt. Oh, boo hoo. Like I gave him so much crap. And I said, it's all about the team and this team winning. It's not about, you know, one player or like, Oh, if, if they trade him, I'm done. Like that was his, that was his take. And I'm like, where's the gym Rome, you know, cause that's not a take. And that sucks. Like I, I told him that he's like, well, you're a better lions fan than me. And I'm just like, whatever, man, that's, that cannot be the feeling from the fan base. So I'm sitting here supporting Matt Stafford. And then I also went on Twitter recently and said, you know, am, am I calling for them to draft Tua? No, but I'm not writing it off the board either because we all know my philosophy in the draft is value, value, value. And also like, hey, let's get good football players. Uh, so, yeah, I, I like to fill needs and whatnot, but I'm not writing any of this off. I mean, the, the financials, to be honest, even though people, are, like you said, are digging, trying to figure out all the little nooks and crannies in the contract, like – it doesn't matter how you shave it. Like it's still not going to make much sense to get rid of them here in 2020. So the, what I see happening is the guy's going to be on this football team. The best case scenario is that he's on the team. He's healthy. He's throwing the football over the yard, which then allows us to add either a corner, a big defensive player, as well as, you know, dominate uh, the rest of the draft and free agency, hopefully give him a team that he can go out and produce not only in 2020, 2021. Um, the only counterpoint is like if they're worried about his back or they feel like he's just not the guy and he can't get us over the hump. Yeah, I'm not totally opposed to adding to a to Matt Stafford, letting them compete. Imagine that Matt Stafford having to compete in a Detroit Lions uniform for his job and for the to be the leader of the team, um, you know, still loading up in the draft, still loading up in free agency and then making that decision either at the trade deadline in 2020. If if Matt Stafford is the starter and playing well, making that decision in the offseason, whatever it may be. So. I don't think drafting two is off the table, but I think trading Matt Stafford is pretty much off the table unless you're going to do what some people have advocated, which is you're sitting at three. Joe Burrow, Chase Young, and Tua Tungavailoa are probably the top three prospects. You're guaranteed them. You don't have to trade down. You don't have to trade up. You don't have to do anything other than select one of those three players and walk away with a great player out of this draft. So... If they wanted to deal Stafford and got a boatload for him, I still don't know how you make the dollars and cents work, but I know that some draft capital taking that guy, you could definitely flip your franchise if you think that's that's best, which most of the fans, everybody doesn't think so, but we're not Bob Quinn, we're not Matt Patricia, and you know, talk talk about this in 2018 or earlier. Everybody was saying what the lions could get to the lions could, could get a, uh, basically flip their team over. Like it's not the worst thought in the world. So I don't see the guy going anywhere, but all these people that are acting like, Oh, if Matt Stafford gets traded, it's just the apocalypse. No, he, he's one player on this team. He he's been a good soldier, but he not only hasn't won us anything. Maybe it is time for change, you know, either this year or next, I'm not a, opposed to it, but I would love to see nine get right, have a good team around them and get rolling. But we've wanted that for a decade now. So that's my thoughts. I, I just, I just don't get where the legs are coming from for the, for this, you know, trade Stafford, you know, we're, you know, it's just, I don't know if it was just kind of like some fake news that somebody threw out there and, you know, like, Hey, you know, we're going to draft two because of this. And like you said, just to kind of pump it up to try to get people to trade up, you know, with the lions or, yeah, I don't know, but it just seems like all of a sudden, it seems like a lot more lately. 
you know, that the trade Stafford, you know, bandwagons, you know, filling up and people are more like, yeah, let's get rid of them. I mean, yeah, you still have that crop of people, like you said, big Hughes, that'd be like, you know, I'm, I'm leaving the lines if they do that, but I, I just don't know where the legs are coming from for this. You know, it just, it, it makes no sense to me. Grifka, what is your, what's your best case scenario? Like, let's say everything goes perfect. Like, do you see Stafford here as the quarterback for the next five, six years? I mean, uh, what's realistic? Because for me, even if he's healthy and they put a team around him, there's really only a, a two to maybe four-year window. Whereas if you draft another quarterback, trade, and get a bunch of future assets, you're sort of trying to set yourself up for a decade you know, or more in the long run. So you got to look at both sides of that coin. I mean, do you think he can really come back healthy and lead us for six, seven more seasons in a lion's uniform? It feels like more of the same at that point, doesn't it? Yeah, I wouldn't say that. I mean, I think even in Stafford's mind, he, with the last couple of years of back injuries, he might only have a couple more years unless something miraculous happens. And he's like pretty much upright where he's not like looking like he's walking with a, uh, you know, a walker, you know, come week 12, you know, at yeah. the end of, you know, this year. So, so I think even in his mind, he only has a couple of years left and I don't know. I, th- I think he likes it here. I mean, I think he wants to, for lack of a better term, like see it through. He wants to lead this team somewhere. And I, it's one of those things where people might be in his ear saying, you know, if you did something with this team, you would be, you know, for lack of a better term, you'd be a God in Detroit. But they said that since he's drafted. So my point is, if you're saying there's a few more years left and you still are bringing up the back issue, then then, you know, it's 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 not long term with the guy. So you'd be foolish not to at least poke around. What are the trade, uh, you know, returns you could get for him as well as maybe protect yourself for the future? Again, I'm not advocating necessarily to draft Tua. I'm saying if you're saying. He's only a couple more years left, and here you are at the top of the draft, and people are clamoring for nine and saying, man, we, we love this guy. We think he's got five years left, and you don't as the general manager. That's when you do try to move assets because you know, it, you're know, you flipping a guy you don't believe in has much left, and others do. And I think it is to drum up the value, but I also think that you know, like you said, it's it's bubbling up to the surface multiple times now. I know Bob Quinn came out and said 100% false, but that'd be foolish too not to uh, had some discussions or at least maybe see where you're at with it. So I think it's going to be a lot to do about nothing because at the end of the day, I think they're going to just uh, you know go for the the now and not worry so much about the future. But I heard a couple people make some really good arguments that you, you could totally flip your franchise right now. If you got real aggressive, which nobody thinks they're going to do. No, it just doesn't seem to be the lion's way. And it doesn't seem to be even Bob Quinn's way. So uh, yeah. let's see what but this is. But it would I be, mean, would be big. Yeah. I said let's it would be big or it could on. be changing. Yep. Yeah. Let's, let's, do this. let's move on because I know we could probably you know spend a whole show talking about this. But I know people want to talk about uh, Philadelphia and Kansas City. So uh, um, you want to hold on to your hot ticket to the end or you want to, uh, you want to try to break that out right now? Oh no, I, I want that right now, Grifka, because it's it goes with what we're talking about. I wrote this on my sheet. I go, I'm throwing this at Grifka, and I, I think I know where he's going to go, but we'll see. Okay. Grifka, this hasn't been talked about on any platforms. It, it hasn't been laid out as an option. It hasn't been thought of by, by, by many fans, but I, 
I don't think it's crazy. And I'm going to put on my best sell job here and see if I can both sell you or get your brain thinking. So, so let's say the lions have decided Matt Stafford's not the guy. They also decide that their team is much closer than most people think. And they have a, what they view as a good defense, some good playmakers that have that short window. Maybe it be two, three, maybe even four years. They, they know there's a, mat, a market for Matt Stafford. Now's the time where you can get not only draft picks, but you can um, get out from under that, that contract to some degree, even though you know there's some issues with it. So right now, Grifka, <laughs> there is a quarterback out there that's available and that, uh, you know, he, he's won a few things in his career. Grifka, I'm here to tell you, I – I think it's a long shot, but on that short list of suitors for Tom Brady needs to be the Detroit Lions. If you want to flip your franchise and maybe still take Tua, who would be better to do that with than to bring in Tom Brady for uh, maybe maybe sign him for two to three years at a big number and, and get the get the guy he he already loves Matt Patricia. He, he, he could come here back to where he played college football and be an absolute legend by uh, taking a team that no one's given a chance, take them up over the hump with no Bill Belichick. Possibly says he wants to play till he's 45. What is he now? Like 41 still in like really good shape, still can throw it around. Like, I feel like we almost got the same window with Tom Brady as we do with Matt Stafford. And like for, for as much arm talent as Matt Stafford has, give me the goat all day, every day. I mean, can we put him in Honolulu blue for a short spin and actually get some, get some wins, get some playoff wins and maybe make a run at this thing. Uh, yeah, that, that would be nice. I mean, it really would. <laughs> and I know generally if, uh, yeah, it seems like in the past you would be like totally against something like this. I mean, I don't know if you are, if you're just hyping it up, because this seems like something you would totally be like, are you kidding me? He's going to be this long. I ain't doing this. No way. You know, it just, um, you know, it would be kind of cool to see. It's like one of those things like, you know, like when you're a kid and you're like, I want to take that guy. Yeah, that was, yeah, that guy was good like five years ago. It would have been perfect for the team. So, uh. Gosh, it, it, it would be kind of cool. I don't know if he's going to vault them into the playoffs and make a big run. Um, I mean, I know I've said this before that uh, it's more like, you know, Belichick and Brady together. And I don't know if Patricia has the same juice as uh, Belichick does. So, uh, I mean, it would be kind of cool to see, though. Let me put a little more spice on it. Matt Patricia and Tom Brady love each other. These guys are boys, so that's not an issue. Secondly... Who would be better to to give Tua Tungavailoa a year or two of seasoning and teach him all the ropes rather than the greatest of all time in this new situation? Who could come here and, like you say, normally I'm not going for the old guys, but the only thing that really holds me back and makes this argument not something I'm I'm like really legit about is because, like, I don't know what you do if Matt... You can't really get rid of Matt Stafford because he's got the big cap hit. You know Tom Brady wants a ton of money. If we threw the money out, I think Detroit is the ultimate... He ain't going to Cleveland. He's not going to some of these other teams that have never won. But I could see him literally, like, saying, all right, I got I got Matt Patricia, who I love as a coach. He knows Bob Quinn. He knows what they're building is this Patriot-type thing. He, he could look at that situation and go like, 
what's what's a bigger move for me than to go to the Detroit Lions, rise them up, take them deep in the playoffs. Who knows what might happen? They still have talent. He has to look at that offense and say, like, they got the same or much better talent on the outsides and, and at tight end and at even running back than he does sitting over there in New England where they sit right now. Like, I don't think it's that, that crazy other than the dollars and cents. And I don't see why Tom Brady can't play as long as Matt Stafford plays, you know, where they're at right now, health wise, as well as just, I feel like Tom Brady, you got to drag him off the field and we only want to want him for two, three, maybe four years anyway. So my old brain is telling me no, but I want to throw this at you because people are talking about like, Oh, maybe Tom Brady would go to Tampa Bay. Maybe he'd go to the chargers. Are you kidding me? He's not going to either of those freaking teams. You, You see Tom Brady in a Buccaneers uniform. No, but you could see Tom Brady return to Michigan, return to a state that he spent his college career, return to a franchise that has never been to the promised land and, and, and a situation that he would be somewhat comfortable with. He's not going to, you know, be underneath of, uh, of, of Arians or, or the uh, Lynn out in, out in San Diego. Are you kidding me? But he'd go here for his boy, Matt Patricia, and and take this team on his back, I think, and maybe do some things. So dollars and cents, it doesn't make sense. You know, age, it doesn't really make sense. But when you're talking about do you want to win, do you want a leader, and do you want something unprecedented to happen when all this other bull crap is being talked about, saying, oh, he might go to the uh, this team and that team, like it not only could, could happen, but it needs to at least be discussed. So uh, we discussed it. Yeah. <laughs> let's do this since uh, it's out there and make people think about it over the weekend while they're enjoying the nice Michigan weather at 40 degrees, grilling and in their Bahama shorts. Um, why don't we uh, take a break here, uh, take a pause for the cause and come back and you know, break down these two games. We'll do that. Grifka, are we going to have Tom Brady in March or no? Uh, nope. <laughs> hoping you might say that <laughs> oh man i i think i just uh stirred up the people with something i don't even believe but uh like i say i thought i'd throw it out and see if it sticks we'll, we'll take a break for our sponsor we'll be right back to uh talk about these games two two really good games from the 2019 season so we'll be right back get ready for the greatest roast of all time the roast of tom brady a netflix live event happening may 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers, we're back. Uh, we got we got two big games to talk about, Grifka. We're not going to waste any time. We're going to jump right in this Eagles game. Grifka, I banged on him in, uh, against the Cardinals. This guy only makes maybe two to three, maybe four plays a year. Somehow he's still on the roster. And uh, 
I just think it's a wasted position basically now in football. But here with 11:25 in the first quarter, Jamal Agnew goes 100 yards, kickoff return, um, puts us up 10-7 early in this football game. A uh, heck of a play by the guy. I mean, you love it when it happens, but it's so few and far between. I mean, come on. Yeah, that definitely um, lit the uh, my fandom for Jamal Agnew again on fire because, like you said, that guy had disappeared, ready to kick him off the team for what he's been doing, what been producing. And I know they were even trying him out there in the defensive backfield, and he was looking lost a lot. So uh, that play, you know, kept him around. I know Matt Patricia gave him a big high five when he uh, got off the field, and we're all like, "Yeah, he's he's back. He's he's Eddie Drummond 2.0." So. <laughs> Oh, man. ADD. We won't get into the story. I don't even know if we told the story on the podcast. We'll have to tell the Eddie Drummond story one of these days for the people to enjoy. Yeah. Classic, yeah. classic story between me and Grifka, which which I once I tell it, I'll see if Grifka has a revisionist history about what really went down between Eddie D, me and him on a, on a Sunday afternoon there. Yeah. Um, Let's let's go ahead. Let me look at my notes here. We've got uh, I got KJ up over the top for a touchdown. He went dove, got spun like a top, and, and ended up scoring a touchdown. Um, and then I have here in parentheses, good job, Joe Dahl. Heck of a spike, <laughs> <laughs> Joe Dahl, with a given the football by carry on and and put a heck of a spike on it. Uh, Grifka, I'm sure you have this highlighted in red pen with the highlighter as well as exclamation points. Jared Davis forcing a fumble on an incredible punch out. You had to love that play, right? Yeah, it was utterly amazing to see Jared Davis, you know, uh, on the field making a great play. I know, like, you, like, uh, you know, tweeted it out how great a play it was that uh, Jared Davis actually made a play on the field where he didn't miss a tackle or take a wrong angle. So, uh, yeah, I was uh, pleasantly surprised by there, uh, Mr. Davis. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Your hatred runs deep. I don't know why. Um, next thing I have is Nelson Aguilar. Um they, they called this a fumble. This was soon after. I think we're still, uh, I can't remember if this was for halftime or what, but he caught a football, turned around, and, like, just dropped it. And all of a sudden, Slay picked it up and started running the other way. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, that's not going to stand because why? The, the referees never give us these types of breaks. Sure enough, I think they just came back. And what do you think they said after the review, Grifka? Oh, it stands. Of course, <laughs> of course, it always stands because these buffoons, not only can they not see it live, but they go in extra slow-mo unless it's a thousand percent exact. They just say, oh, it stands, I guess. We can't tell. What a bunch of idiots. But this time it worked for the Lions. Uh, to me, it looked like a drop I had here. But that uh, next thing you know, it was, uh, gosh, where am I in my notes here? I got like 2010, maybe head to the half, something like that for the uh, for the Lions at this point. Yeah, the best part about that half was hearing the Philadelphia Eagles fans boo when the Lions, when the Eagles left the field at halftime. Because you know that's what they do—they boo everything. Because for some odd reason, the Eagles fans think like their team is just like you know put on earth, you know, by God for them guys to like win everything in football. Did I mention before that Eagles fans suck? Just like you know, hey Eagles fans, if you're listening, hit me up on Twitter at, at @griffkbkc. I would love to talk to you guys. I have much respect for you guys. Not or please give us a call at 989-272-3484. Leave me a message or text me something. I'll be I'll be sure to get right back to you. I'll make sure I put short words so you guys can understand it. <laughs> Grifka, what a great impromptu bit that I was hoping you'd go to. But did you really <laughs> just go with like the 19, the mid 1990s diss, which is like, <laughs> please hit me up on Twitter because I'd love to talk to you. Not. 
Yep. <laughs> I hadn't heard that in about two decades. Oh my goodness. It's okay, it's finally Classic. getting to Philadelphia. It's finally getting to Eagles fans because they're still living in the past too, talking about a great Harold Carmichael is because he finally made the Hall of Fame. They're wondering. They're wondering when you know Mike Papali or Vince Papali will be there too, and when you know they'll be surprised when it's like actually Mark Wahlberg and one you know doing the speech at you know the Hall of Fame. This is Vince Papali, isn't it? No, it's Mark Wahlberg, guys. No, really, it's Vince Papali. No, it's Mark Wahlberg. I saw the movie. Yeah, we know. Yeah, we got it. <laughs> Did, uh, you do know they won a Super Bowl about four years ago, right, Griffin? Yeah, that shit was rigged. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Uh, oh, sorry, oh, I'm glad you got that in. Except, except Eagles fans, give me a call or hit me up on Twitter. I would love to hear about my swear. Griffka, just tell me, like in a in a month, two months, six months, you're gonna do that not gimmick again out of nowhere, so I can laugh because that was funny. <laughs> sure, no problem. <laughs> All right, so 20 to 17, Lions to start the fourth quarter. Um, I've got here 14:53 in the fourth quarter. Um, touchdown to Marvin. This was that play where Stafford bought a little extra time, kind of had Marvin on a running, like almost an angle route towards kind of the back corner of the end zone. But he put this ball like in a spot that only 11 could get it. He dove, made an amazing catch. Um, it was just a heck of a play. I remember that one. Not only is it a huge play in the game, amazing throw, putting us up 27, 17 in Philly had to love it. Yeah, the biggest thing, what I really liked about that was it seemed like Philadelphia is really starting to, um, you know, take the momentum. And that's where, you know, Stafford, you know, you know, once he can kind of put the team on his back, went down and scored because that it was starting to get, um, you, you know, me, I was, um, I remember this even watching it, you know, live that it was starting to feel a little, you know, uh, a little trepidation, I guess, for lack of a better term, that uh, it's like, gosh, you know, you guys have played well this far. Hold on. It's Philadelphia. I hate Philadelphia. And it seemed like the Eagles are really starting to get the momentum on that. And uh, Stafford, you know, took them down, you know, put them back up by 10. Yeah, it was absolutely big. Griff, I wrote this note just for you. 1440 left in the fourth quarter. Uh, Eagles trying to come down and do some things. Great. I wrote here. Great. You might want to go back and look at it on tape. Great sack by Christian Jones off the edge. Absolutely bullied the tackle, got up the field, demolished the quarterback. I mean, I know you love some Christian Jones. thought I'd bring that up. Um, yeah, that, that was huge because then, once again, the posse must have been getting close in town because he disappeared for the rest of the year. <laughs> uh, I, you, you can't use the, the Jesse James joke with uh, Christian they Jones. Were, it doesn't work. They were, they were hiding out together. He told him where he was, like, they're on the same island with Elvis and Tupac. <laughs> okay. Um, 9.07 left. I have here just – I put this as a top 10. I mean, Ebron probably has the other nine, but I've got this as a top 10 drop of all time by Dallas Goddard of the Philadelphia Eagles. Goddard's my guy, too. I love him. I've got him in fantasy football. This ball was thrown up. I mean – Again, I hate to go to this bit, but Grifka, you could have caught this one. This was he was wide open. It was thrown like a lollipop right in his hands. It bounced off his chest like he was allergic to this thing. I, I laughed so hard when I saw it again. Not only because it was such a big play, but what a just a brutal drop. That was hilarious. Did you uh, did you happen to catch that one? Yeah, that was a, I mean, another one of those noggin scratchers, <laughs> and I'm sure that uh, Philadelphia fans let him hear about it. Like all good Philadelphia uh, fans do. They're they're some of the most knowledgeable fans in the game. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm glad you caught it because Dallas Goddard sure didn't. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, let's finish this one up. 455 left, third and 11. I've got here, I don't know if you've heard of him, Grifka, but his name is Danny Toe Tap. Oh, baby. Uh, <laughs> he uh, caught this football and dropped the toes down for a first down catch. That was absolutely unbelievable. I mean, uh, Nate Burleson is rolling around, uh, rewinding this back to back to back to see some. Uh, some Danny toe drag swag loved it. And then, I mean, after that I've got here. Okay. Now they've cut into our lead. You know, I scored another touchdown One fifty left. Like we threw, here's what happened. Cause I, I was like, I'll write down. Like I'll remember this third down. We're, we're on their side of the field. We could just run it, gain a few yards and then kick a more manageable field goal. Matt Stafford just throws like a, I don't even, it wasn't even a 50 50 ball. He just lazily threw a deep ball to Kenny, which was nowhere close to being caught. So now Matt Prater has to hit from what seemed to be like 45 plus. And sure enough, Grifka hexed him with his negativity because at the worst time in the game, we get a kick blocked and the Philadelphia Eagles are going to score a touchdown. Somehow we get them on the ground. And then we were able to hang on to this victory. I mean, could you believe it when you saw that kick block again? Like, are you freaking kidding me? We were just up 27-17, like what seemed like moments ago. Now we're fighting for our life. Are you kidding me? This is when I had a few heart attacks early in the season. Yeah, wasn't this the one where that, was it Philadelphia threw that deep ball late in the game? Yeah, that was to end it. But, like, oh, this this thought... got them back in the game. And then they, oh, okay. they, I thought they that's what you're talking about. final drive. I thought that's what you were talking about. The black kick by Matt Prater, like, we were were up, like, uh, whatever it was, and they blocked a kick. We're about to run it down. I think if they score a touchdown here, uh, you know, they would either beat us or there wasn't much time left on the clock. They say they blocked it with a minute 50. Then they had a couple penalties. Remember, they had the pass interference on Sproles where he just shoved our guy. Then they had another penalty, moved him back. And, yeah, then it was, like, fourth and whatever. They threw up a deep ball, which should have been caught by Philly, but uh, Melvin made a heck of a play to end this one. So, heck of a win. I'm, I'm like, my, my blood pressure is getting up just remembering this because, like, these first few games, man, like I said, this one our team was, was pretty much healthy, was rolling. I mean, coming out of Philly and those great fans with a W, but having to do it the way we did, I mean, that's three games in a row coming down to the wire. Like, I can't take much more of this and wait till we get this Chiefs game. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. But, yeah, that was a good win. I always love to see Philadelphia lose no matter what they're playing. I mean, for as many people that hate on, like, you know, the Cowboys and the Patriots and the Packers and the Steelers, I just love watching Philly fans lose. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you've, you've definitely uh, made that known on this and plenty of other episodes, which we love when you do that, Grifka. Uh, kick us off on Chiefs. What the heck's going on in this Chiefs game? Heck of a game. Ford Field against what we knew to be the high-powered Kansas City Chiefs. This this offense that the Chiefs were bringing in, everybody was like, all week, it was like, how are the Lions going to stop them? How are the Lions going to stop them? And we debated this, and I don't want to kick this horse because I just want to, you know, you know, just cover this really quick. But, uh, you know, this is one of those games where the Lions had to, um, you know, keep drives alive, keep the Chiefs' offense off the field because they could, you know, score quickly. And um, I thought the Lions had a really good game plan. Um once again, they were. Uh, this was still part of the early season where they were. The Lions' defense was kind of like turnover machine. They were bending, not breaking. They would get a, they would get a, 
uh, turnover when needed and to, uh, you know, stop drives to, you know, stall drives out there. But uh, another one of those games where it seemed like Matt Patricia might have had, you know, uh, a, you know, a good game, he had a good game plan put together and looked very promising against a really tough team. Grifka, my first note for this game is very simple. It's directed right at Rod Wood and all the other knuckleheads. Why the throwbacks? I love the throwbacks. Why are we wearing the throwbacks on random week four game against the Kansas City Chiefs? I, I didn't get it to make any sense. Is it a? Th- it's not a throwback to the uh, to the AFL or any of that guard. We just like randomly wear them. Hey, Rod Wood, here's a thought. Quit being a a numbskull and just wear the throwbacks at Thanksgiving. Like we always used to, it's not that hard. Like, and then, and then, or wear them twice a year. If you're going to wear them in week four, what we can't break them out again in week 10, 11, whatever it is like ridiculous. I love the throwbacks. So I thought it was so odd that we just wore them this year. Uh, Grifka were back in Ford field. I have here a missed field goal by Kansas city. <laughs> I won't even break is. out the music. The people know what it is. Uh, three ten. Griffka, I'm surprised you you skipped over this or didn't mention this yet because he's your favorite player. Um, at three ten in quarter one to put us up ten zip. Another hawk spike by the number eight pick overall in the NFL draft, TJ Hawkinson. What do you guys say about that? Um, it was nice for him to make an appearance, you know, since week one. I mean, he's uh, Hawkinson doing something good in the game was starting to become like a, uh, a um, was it a uh, kind of like an eclipse? You know, doesn't happen often, but it's special when it does. <laughs> See, I, I love that you said that answer, Griffith, because I got right here too that, like, so you say it's an eclipse. It's week four. The guy has like he, he caught 130 and what a uh, touchdown in week one. He had a couple quiet weeks. Here we are in week four and he's already scoring a touchdown to help our team and we're up 10-0 this is probably like when we were at Lambeau Field having the time of our life when you freaked out about one little thing we're up 10 zip against the Kansas City Chiefs in our stadium and you're not happy are you kidding me this is why we fight on the show because you just I can't I'll never understand you let's keep it moving the O-line I put had some issues I felt like Stafford was getting hit again as well as you know not having the time like we'd maybe seen earlier and then before I pitch it to you, Grifka, I have here on my notes the wind sock with a belly-to-back suplex that Brock Lesnar would be uh, excited about. Absolutely epic. Got us a penalty, but didn't even matter. I still love seeing it again. Absolutely took Miko Hardman and just freaking gave him a suplex city uh, right into the turf. That was awesome. Yeah, you got to love plays like that. Um, I, I know it would like, probably hype the team up, hype the crowd up. I mean uh... – but still, I, I know it's one of those things like you know, the announcer's like, they can't, you can't do that. That's just a dumb pet. Well, there's, there's points where like sometimes that stuff happens and it really, uh, it really hypes the team up. Plus, it looks pretty, pretty freaking cool. So I didn't have a problem with it. And Grifka, it's your, it's your boy, Mike Ford. You I mean you've supported him for years on the show. Yeah, the best part about it was that he didn't have to try to chase down Michael Hardman, considering in a foot race, he just would have like, uh, he would have outran Wait. him by like a mile. It would have been like the Roadrunner and Wiley Coyote, and been like beep, beep, and he would have been gone. You know, he was actually running been... at him. So <laughs> he should have been waving in the wind, kind of. You know, yeah, in, exactly. the, in the background, hopping. You know, at, well, he, you know, it's a good thing he, he, you know, he got out of there early because he probably had to go down to like you know one of the local car dealerships and stand outside and try to drag people in there. Look, mom, it's a red windsock. No, that's Mike Ford. He just got done playing. I was going to say, you call him the wind sock, but like, it'd be funny too. just think of when Mike Ford's trying to like 
cover somebody deep. He looks like one of those uh, big wavy things that are outside the dealership, like telling yeah. people all the specials with just like the air just flowing through it, the arms going crazy. Yeah, yeah exactly. he's uh, living up to that nickname every day. Grifka, 13-13 at half. Uh, I put it here, the Lions played way better than the Chiefs in this game. Um, they're making Matt, uh, uh, Patty Mahomes work for everything. You know, they... They're they're playing confident. They're throwing the ball around. You know they they still only have 13 points, but and the Chiefs had to crawl back to get to 13, 13 and a half. They're sitting there going, "Whew! Thank goodness we were able to somewhat get it even here at halftime because we're getting our you know what's kicked." Um, Griffka, I'll tee it up to you. The the carry on Johnson play. We're down deep, about ready to go up some more points. He he stops. He's at about the two for some reason. It's a pile up. He just randomly puts the ball out up over his head. It gets knocked out. I have here um, that, yeah, I agree. It's a fumble seeing it now being outside of the moment. I know I probably blew gasket about it. You know, the, the podcast after that, it's a fumble, but it's not a damn touchdown. Like it still looked ridiculous on the replay. Like nobody even knows the ball's out. Everybody quit. There's no whistles. There's no referees doing anything. The guy picks it up, kneels down in the end zone, you know, is, uh, you know, either contacted or this play is over and he just waltzes for a hundred yards and good old, I forget who the referee was, but I remember him just walking out with the most nonchalant after the review. Oh, I'm after the review and play stand. You know, he, he could care less. He just play stand. Didn't even really explain it. Didn't even just, Oh, no big deal. Just a, an absolute game changing play to flip. What would have been a touchdown for us to a touchdown for them. I mean, it's a fumble, but it's not a, it's not a, Oh, ball was loose, picked it up. Play should have st- stood. No way. Yeah, that's one of those things like, I, yeah, I, you know, I was frustrated watching it again too, and you're right. It was it was a fumble, but uh, I, you can, even on the replay, you don't hear a whistle, but I can't, so I can't understand why everybody just stops. You know, Galladay did some half-hearted arm swipe at him, like, you know, you know, like telling like a little kid to put the cookie back, you know, is all he did. And then, you know, he just like starts running and like, a couple other chiefs are running with him, you know, but I can't understand. There's no whistle. So I don't, I don't, I know it gets loud in that stadium. We've been there before. Mm. Even, even where our seats are, even when it's loud, you hear a whistle and like those guys, they just, nobody moved. So Grifka, the reason why is because when you watch it back, did you like watch it back? Oh man. Yep. That, that ball was definitely out. It's a live football. No, it looks like the play has been over for, for five seconds and then all of a sudden this cornerback goes in and just picks the ball up from this pile of humanity and decides to run it back like nine out of ten times when he does that they go ahead and review it and oh no he was touched down or or the play was blown whatever they were going to call like it never happens where they allow this kind of crap where oh yeah play it out and, and it works so that that's why no one tried because there's nothing live that looked like a f- live fumble that should have had to been dealt with, in my opinion. Uh, Ridiculous. Yeah. But, uh, you know, like I said, that's where, you know, on a side note, this is where you kind of hope that the NFL, you know, follows the XFL and has that transparency between the referee and the booth. But I don't think they'll ever do that because it'll just allow stuff like this to happen and continue to happen sure. where people are looking for an explanation. <laughs> It was 13-13 when that happened. I even skipped over the Kenny Galladay touchdown reversal, which looking at it now with not the, with not the vigor that I had, 
okay, yeah, it, it looks like he's jostling in a bit. You know, my, my beef was he caught it and got the two feet down. But between the Kenny reversal and the carry-on touchdown, like, I mean, that's that's basically 14 points coming off the board. Like, I mean, and we're still tied with these guys. This is mid-third quarter, but because they flipped that, now it's 20, you know, 20 to 13 or whatever. And it's like, that's, that's probably one of the biggest plays of the season. So, um, you know, moving it forward, like a minute 15 left is when Stafford threw that absolute laser beam between like eight guys to Kenny, which was probably one of the top 10 throws in the whole football season by any player. That was incredible. So now it's 23, 20 Detroit, um, chiefs come back, you know, they, I know you love that Travis Kelsey play where he just caught and thought he'd go uh, curly uh, from the Harlem Globetrotters and just flip it to LaShawn McCoy on us. Like he's playing backyard football. So the KC goes up 27, 13 after they score. What do we do? Grifka? We come right back down the field, march down. Like we, like we know uh, what we're doing and we're uh, can compete with the now Super Bowl champs. We go right down and put another touchdown on them to Kenny Galladay uh, to make it uh Gosh, what was it? 30-27 at that point when Kenny does the toe tap. And then then what happened? Um, Probably the most key play of the game. Your boy, Jared Davis. Hey, Travis Kelsey, stand here. Don't catch the ball. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was brutal when you go back and watch it. He's like in coverage. Then he's blitzing, but he's not blitzing. And then they throw it right to the the best player in Kansas City wide open. there's nobody around him nobody around him for like 15 yards. I mean, it was like yeah. they had the, like the perfect defense called because everybody else was covered and you know, right. the pressure was starting to get to Mahomes, and he, scr- and he had to scramble. So I don't know what, because right before that Mahomes what rambled for what 15, 17 yards to get that first down. So I guess I can kind of see why Jared Davis did it, but still, I mean, I mean the whole thing, you know, you know, Patricia's got to preach, you know, you know, do, you know, you know, do your job. You're covering a guy. There's nobody else by him. And you're just like, here, you stay here. I'm going to go tackle your quarterback. I mean, just. Uh. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm glad I, I, I somewhat had an inkling that you might uh, focus on that play. The play I wrote down was the fourth and eight. You know, it's one of those plays. I remember sitting in my, my man cave thinking like one, one, one play. That's usually what I'll say when it comes to that. We, we just need one play right here to end this ball game. Uh, fourth and eight's a play you usually get off the field on. You know, had nobody really to throw to, but the the field just opened up in the middle. <clears throat> Pat Mahomes took off, and then he also, gosh, man, the guy just to me, he just won this game by making a few plays. He probably made three to four plays in the last drive or two that took this game from us. Um, they left us with no time really to do anything on the back end, even though Stafford had a couple decent, uh, you know, Hail Marys that, you know, gosh, we'd love one of those one of these days, too, where we pull a rabbit out of the hat. But, you know, to me, this just shows that this team went healthy, much different than we saw late in the season. They played really well, probably the first team to really challenge and hold the the Chiefs down in this type of way. Okay, yeah, they got 30 points, but you wouldn't know it by really watching the game. And uh, this was a hype game. I remember Kenny getting so hype after his touchdown where he dropped the toes. It felt like a playoff game. It felt like this is one the Lions really needed over a top team to get them rolling and to come up short based on the circumstances, too, where we felt like the refs kind of took it from us and we fell just short towards the end was really discouraging. Um, and when we had to really eat 
as we headed uh, off to Green Bay after the bye week. So we'll, we'll get at that uh, wonderful football game next week uh, when we talk about it. So Grifka, did I miss anything big or you got any parting comments before we uh, go to one of the classic gimmicks of the show? Um, no, but like you said, at this point in the season, we're what, uh, one or two, what was it? Two, one and one. So, uh, after the first quarter, I mean, you know, still looking like, uh, a very, it could be a very good season. Yep. And leave us on one positive note, Grifka. Watching these four games that we've talked about this week, two on Wednesday and two here. Did, did you remember sort of what we look like with nine back there? Carry on, Kenny doing his thing, Hawkinson out there, you know, O line, you know, defense, you know, holding a couple teams. You know, the Eagles are high flying and the Chiefs and, and squeaking out a couple, you know, uh, that we did. Like, did it give you hope? Did it give you a remembrance of what they could be? Because I feel like this is what this team can be if and better in 2020. Yeah, the offense, you know, it did. I mean, uh, looked looked really, really good. Um, you know, just a couple tweaks here and there, maybe in the offensive line. But it was. It just, you know, going back and rewatching it, points from like, gosh, this defense, you know, yeah, they were bend, don't break early, and they were getting, you know, key turnovers here and there. But there were points where, like, teams were just kind of marching down the field on them. And it's just, you know, that's something that has to get cleaned up. Yeah, I think it was a little bit of both. Like, there were plays where I was just saying, man, look at this defense. Like, they're even when they're getting balls caught, they're right in the hip pocket. They're right there. They're just not making it. And there was times they were making the plays. And, yeah, there were times, like you said, where well, why is the w- middle of the field wide open on fourth and eight? Why is this guy not covering this guy? Like some head scratchers. But I felt like the way they flew around was just much better than what we became accustomed to late in the season based on not only injury but kind of retooling of their team. And, and like I say, just some few players just need to – tighten it up, you know, get, get that step or two faster. So they're, they're making a a play or making a play on the football rather than getting a 20 yard ball caught on them. So we'll see, man. It's like I say, biggest off season in the history of the Detroit Lions coming up and uh, hopefully they can win tight games like this moving forward. And just the fact that they um, went blow for blow with the chiefs, the Eagles beat the chargers, you know, pretty much beat, beat, um, Arizona to start the year leaves us good positivity, Grifka, to uh, move on to 2020 with. So with all that being said, leave us on a high note. Grifka, do you have anything else, any words of wisdom, anything amazing for the people? Uh, nope. Everybody, thank you so much for supporting the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. Please check out our sponsors, please. Um, look forward to next week. We'll be breaking out two more games and who knows, we may have some trades to talk about. We will be uh, right up against the combine. Lots of things to talk about and moving forward, work our way through all these games and always keep you up on the news and notes right here on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. Take care, everybody. Have an awesome weekend. We're out. Drink it in, man.